I'm Shanna Hutchison, dietitian, blogger, and mama, born and raised in the heart of the Midwest. I believe that wellness goes way beyond what we eat and that our body size does not determine our worth. I am passionate about showing other women how to live a life they truly love, one that feels purposeful, that helps them feel their best physically, mentally, and emotionally, and that being a mom can be one of the best things you ever do without it becoming your entire identity. This is a place you can come to hear vulnerable and interesting conversations about health and wellness, motherhood, entrepreneurship, and more. If you want to find freedom with food, learn how to improve your overall well-being, and stop waiting for a number on the scale to start living your best life and go after your goals, then you're in the right place. I'm so excited to learn and grow together. This is the Wellness for the Win podcast. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wellness for the Win podcast. Today, I have my internet friend, Missy Franklin, who I'm so excited to be chatting with. We've chatted through DMs multiple times, but this is our first time like seeing each other face to face, and it's really exciting. So I'm so pumped for you guys to hear from her today. She is such a sweet human. Even in the past 10 minutes that we've already been talking, I can tell this is going to be such a good conversation. So Missy, would you mind just kind of telling us who you are, a little bit about you and an introduction for yourself, please. Of course. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me. And I'm so honored to get to see you and talk to you. And like you said, just talking to you in the past, I've been a follower for so long and just love all of your values and everything that you stand for and have just related so well to so much about what you've shared. And I'm so grateful for that. So I'm so excited to finally be talking, (laughs) but, um, so as you said, my name is Missy. Um, I am currently living in Nashville, Tennessee with my husband, Hayes, and our 10-month-old daughter, Caitlin, and our three-year-old Bernie's Mountain Dog, Ollie. Oh my gosh, he's so cute. (laughs) He's such a bug. I love him so much. And we just moved here in February. I'm originally from Denver, Colorado, and that was where I grew up. Um, My husband's whole family's from here. He's one of six and everyone is still here. Oh, wow. So that was kind of the reason for the move. I'm an only child and we just convinced my parents to move out here too. Oh my gosh, amazing. But I am a Olympic swimmer. I swam in the 2012 and 2016 Olympic Games. I'm most known for my performances in London. I was 17 and I had four golds and a bronze in that Olympics and then went on to win another gold in Rio. I retired um, in 2018 at the ripe old age of 23 uh, due to shoulder injury and went on to finish up my degree. And now I'm doing just a whole bunch of things, but a lot of public speaking and still working with a lot of the companies that sponsored me when I was competing. And essentially being a full-time stay-at-home mom, but also getting to do these trips and still work with these great companies and and speak to things that I'm really passionate about. So I kind of get the best of both worlds, which I feel very, very grateful for. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that is so cool. And I, you know, I've seen so many of the things that you are involved in now. And so I wasn't sure exactly what your kind of main thing is. So, But I love, you know, as a fellow mom who also works, it is a lot to juggle. And, you know, having that balance of being able to be present and be with her as much as you can and also still do things that you care about is so Mm -hmm. awesome. So that's amazing to hear. And yes, oh my gosh, five gold medals. Freaking (laughs) let's all clap for her. That's incredible. Um, So yes, definitely want to dive into your swimming journey. And also, I was going to ask about the the move to Nashville and what kind of sparked that. So that's good to know. So your husband's whole family lives there. And so now, so your parents were still in Colorado and now they're moving, you said 12 minutes from you? They're actually in my brother and sister-in-law's neighborhood, which is amazing. We have a two and a half year old, almost three year old nephew. And then we just had two more babies. So that same brother and sister-in-law, um, they just had their second little boy, Rory, and Aww. he's now five weeks old. And my other brother and sister-in-law just had their first and she's a little girl and she's almost two months. Oh my goodness. So it's just been so fun being so here. Fun. And we just thought, you know, what a gift for Caitlin to literally grow up seeing all of her aunts and uncles and cousins and now yeah. all of her grandparents almost every week. I mean, that That's is amazing. just such a blessing. So we kind of made that decision. And as you know, you know, having a baby just changes really everything. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as we had her, we were like family, family, yep. family. Yeah. Family, family is everything. Yeah. yeah. Yes. We agree that, you know, having people close is key because it takes yeah. a village. 
as they say. Huge difference. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. How do you like Nashville? Is it fun? I've heard amazing things. It's incredible. It's really fun. And so it's, I love it too, because I feel like it's very sentimental for me, because this is essentially the city that like Hayes and I dated in, you know, oh, like we fun. have so many of like our like fun and just amazing, like especially early dating memories mm-hmm. here in Nashville. Yep. And so I love that about it. Cause like the city as a whole just feels really nostalgic to like our love. And For so sure. it's so fun being here and now being in such a different phase in our relationship, but still uh-huh. kind of being able to go by the places of like, Oh my gosh, like yeah. I remember when we did this and like, yeah. we've just been talking for a couple of weeks and <laughs> it's always felt like home because this is always where he would bring me. And this is always where his family was. So now to make it our home has been super special and we feel really lucky. We got a place that is about 25 minutes outside of downtown and we're on some acreage. So it actually is like very private and it feels very in tune with nature and it's quiet. But then when we do want to go to really great restaurants or go see the Justin Bieber concert, like we did three <laughs> weeks ago, yeah. you know, everything is just like 20 minutes away. So yeah, it's kind of so nice. the best of both worlds. Yeah. You don't have like bachelorette party uh, in exactly. your backyard every day. <laughs> we don't have like your pedal buses like yeah. coming through. <laughs> That's perfect. That is, yeah, the best of both worlds for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So yes, tell us, let's get into the swimming thing. So how yeah. did you initially begin? How old were you when you started swimming? And was it your interest initially? Or, you know, how did you kind of get into it first? Yeah. So I got into it first because my mom actually never learned how to swim. And so even to this day, she's like terrified of the water. Mm-hmm. And something that a lot of people don't realize is that fear of the water is generational. So I do a lot of work in um, swim lessons and kind of spreading knowledge and information about like reducing the risks of drowning and the importance of getting your kids in the water. Mm-hmm. And if the parents don't know how to swim, there's only an 18% chance that the child is going to know how to swim. So it really is this generational fear that gets passed down. And I was so lucky in that my mom didn't want to do that with me. You know, she kind of saw the importance of it and said, all right, you know, I'm going to face my fear as well. And so she got us in a mommy and me class at our YMCA when I was six months old. Wow! And that was like her only intention was just keeping me as safe as possible around the water and teaching me a life skill. But I just loved it. I mean, I was that baby that was being dunked and coming back up, just <laughs> laughing and laughing and laughing. Yeah. Um, and that's how Caitlin is too now, which Aww. is like the most amazing thing to see, but I just absolutely loved it. So I stuck with it and I did summer club swimming, but I also did everything else when I was little. I mean, my parents did so many things well, um, and set such a great example for me, but that was definitely one of them of just, they really put me in every sport. They put me in music. They put me in just a bunch of different things to really see what I was passionate about and what Mm -hmm. I liked. And the only rule they had is once you start something, you need to finish it through. And Mm -hmm. if you decide at the end of a season, you don't want to do it anymore, then great. But there's no quitting in the middle of the season. You know, you have that are relying on you. And so that was how I really learned like, okay, I love being on a team. So basketball and soccer is great, but I hate running. So maybe <laughs> not the best thing. Yeah. For me. And swimming was just one of those things where I, I went into practice happy and I came out happier. And mm. I think they saw that and I knew that. And I I was a little bit different in that my career did start so early. Um, you know, I was 11, 12 years old when people started kind of slotting me and kind of envisioning that future for me. And wow. I qualified for Olympic trials when I was 12 and I swam wow. there when I was 13 for the 2008 Beijing games. And so oh that experience like as a 13 year old and I'm sitting there and I'm literally swimming in the same pool as Michael Phelps and Natalie Coughlin, who's like one of my absolute heroes. And I've got their posters on my wall, my back home, and I'm sitting here next to them. (laughs) Wow. It's just so surreal. But I think that for me was my moment of like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm here and I'm literally swimming next to people that I have grown up idolizing and that I've watched swim and like, I can do this. Like, I think yeah. I can really do this. And so I, I left Omaha in 2008 and just said, you know, in four years, it's going to be London in 2012. And I know I'm still only going to be 17, but like, 
I want to go for this. Like, I really want to do this. And my parents, as amazing as they were, were like, great. What can we do to help? You know, just didn't even bat an eye. They were like, okay, awesome. Let's do it. (laughs) That's incredible. Oh my gosh. Like 12 and 13 years old. I'm trying to think of what I was doing at that age. (laughs) Definitely not getting slotted for any sort of Olympic sport. (laughs) But that's amazing. I mean, yeah, to see to see people that, like you said, you've looked up to for so long and yeah. just watched from afar and then you're right next to them in a pool. I'm sure that was freaking surreal for sure. That is so, so cool. Yeah. So, okay. So the journey like leading up to that. So you said you kind of were thinking about the 2008 Olympics, but then didn't end up going until 2012, correct? Yeah. So 2008, I knew I wasn't going to make the team. I mean, I was so young. I think the highest place I finished was like 33rd and you have to be top to make the team. Which I'm sure that was still pretty high (laughs) out of like, you know, however many, I'm sure that was still pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. So I definitely, definitely went there without any intention of, of actually going on that team, but just the experience as a whole kind of made me realize like, okay, like if this, you know, we all have those big dreams growing up, right. And dreaming Mm -hmm. of being an Olympic and dreaming of being a gold medalist, but then actually being at that meet, I think it kind of like really dawned on me, like, no, I think I, I can't, like, Mm -hmm. I really think I can do this. And so then it just became a matter of, okay, how, you know, how, how am I going to get from, from here to there? And, and so that was essentially what the next four years of my life consisted of. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was a amazing journey, but I think definitely a unique one as well, going through something like that at such a young age, For sure, I was really fortunate to just have an incredible support system around me that, continued to put me first and, you know, and not take advantage in any way and make sure that, you know, Missy was still being Missy and still being a 14, 15, 16, 17 year old kid. Right. 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 While she's trying to balance all of this other external pressure and, and training and traveling and interviews and all of that. And so Mm -hmm. that was just something that we all, had to learn together was the importance of balance and how to keep essentially my life as normal as possible while I was still trying to obtain this goal that I had set for myself. Sure. Yeah. That's exactly what, what I wondered was how, how did that affect, you know, your schooling, your friendships, you know, do you feel like you still got to experience, I guess that would be pretty much high school. I mean, the bulk of your like high school years, right? So how did that affect all of that? You know, again, I, I was so lucky. I went to an all girls private Catholic high school, which just ended up being like the best thing in the world for me. I went to public elementary and middle and had a great experience with that as well. But I think for me, you know, my graduating class was 164 girls. So like we all knew each other by name, you know, Mm -hmm. we went on retreats together, like we had and shared really special moments together. And so I had like certain rules in that, you know, if I wanted to go to school every day and be treated like Missy, then that's how I needed to act, you know? Mm -hmm. So I had a absolute zero media rule at school. So a lot of times they wanted like a full day in the life. So NBC would like ask, you know, can we come to class and can we sit in the back and film you doing this and this? And that was one of the very few things that I just had an absolute zero policy for was there's going to be no media in school, because if Mm -hmm. I'm asking all my classmates to just treat me as Mitzi, that's how I need to be showing up every day, you know? And, you know, we, we really did try to do everything. You know, I, I went to all my proms. I went to, you know, even if it meant waking up at, you know, my, I think my senior prom, it was so fun. I'm obsessed with dancing. So I was like, (laughs) I'm not missing a school dance. I, you know, I think I pulled an all-nighter, went to morning practice that Sunday at 5am and came back and made everyone breakfast before they got up, you know, and (laughs) it it worked well for me because I've always been an introverted extrovert. Mm -hmm. So I don't really like staying out late. I'm more of a homebody to begin with. So even in high school, like, you know, I just love spending quality time with my friends, but I liked being home early and Mm -hmm. I didn't like going out a bunch on the weekends. And so that just always kind of ebbed well with my training and being able to get good night's sleep and have good quality, but also feel like I was still getting all those, you know, high school experiences. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, like you said, having a good support system in place and people who 
encouraged you to have both. But also having those healthy boundaries, I think is huge because I think too, I think a lot of people at that age would would want the media, would want the attention, you know, especially these days with social media and stuff. And of course, I'm someone who <laughs> is kind of part of that influencer culture. So I, you know, it, it is a tricky balance for sure. It's like, where do you draw the line and how do I, you know, still have a healthy you know, relationship with this side of things, you know, that's, it's tough. And especially, yeah, you must've been a mature 14, 15, 16, 17 year old. It sounds like. Well, I, I, I'm getting better as well. And I think this will always be a part of me and I think it gets a very bad rep. And so I'm trying to like shift that a little bit, but I am a people pleaser. And I think, you know, when you take it too far, absolutely, you know, it can be detrimental for you, but I think like, yeah there's also something beautiful about being a people pleaser. You know, we hear it a lot that it it is this bad, horrible thing. But I think again, when you find that balance, like there's nothing wrong with wanting to make the people around you happy, you know, and wanting to spread that joy. But I think that was definitely a big lesson that I had to learn. And I just had to learn it really early Mm -hmm. um, with being in the spotlight. And I remember my first cruel comments on social media, you know, and reading those at 16 and 17 years old and and responses to articles and people commenting on races and times and my body and just like Mm -hmm. so many different things. And I, I just immediately learned that there's, there's no way that I'm ever going to be able to make every single person in the world happy. Like it's just no matter what I say, no matter what I do. So, you know, who do I care about making happy and what can I do to, to make them happy? And so it's really hard even still for me to say no. Mm -hmm. Um, but learning that balance. And that was one of those few things where I hated saying no, I I didn't want to come off as ostentatious or egotistical and like whatever, you know, they, they requested, I would always try and give, but that was one of those things where I just had to learn over time that, you know what, this is, this is a boundary for me. And I'm so sorry, you know, you can film me here, you can film me there, but you know, this is kind of a safe place for me. And that was sort of how I continued to learn that lesson moving forward of figuring out, okay, how do I say yes to the things that I know are going to be beneficial and that I can give a hundred percent to, and that will give me something. And how do I say no to the things that I know aren't the right thing for me. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree with that more. And it is tricky because yes, some people are like, yeah, being a people pleaser is a bad thing, but I I totally agree with you. You know, it's not a bad thing to want to make the people you love happy and the people you care about happy. I feel like I got that trait from my mom as well. And, you know, I think moms, now that we are both moms, we know what that looks like, you know, putting everyone before yourself. So you have to figure out, you know, how can I pour into the people that I love while not like sacrificing myself and my own needs. So yeah, Yeah. it is definitely a tricky dance. But one thing that you touched on was, you know, getting some negative comments, especially as a young girl, you know, teenager. What was that like as far as like body image throughout that journey? Did you have pressures from like coaches or anything or just like from like you said like comments from other people or what did that look like and how did that impact you know did you ever struggle with your body or food or anything like that as a result of your all your training and everything 100% I did and I think unfortunately that a lot of female athletes do and it's mm-hmm. just like so heart-wrenching and it's something that I feel like we just have to keep talking about more and more and more to just help people know that they're not alone and to just like bring light to this and try and do something about it. You know, like there's one thing to like bring attention to it, but it's like, that's, that's just the first step, you know, like what can we have in place to give these female athletes resources and help and support so that if they're experiencing this or heaven forbid, give it to them before this happens to them. So they don't have to go through it, you know, but for sure. I think in high school, again, my being so naive, I think played in my favor a little bit. You know, I was, I was young, I was 17. I was just kind of like happy to be there and excited Mm -hmm. and joyful. And I think that really did play in my favor because I really was like, I was just so happy to be there and I was just taking it all in and just loving every second of it. And I think it was a little bit later on, you know, before Rio, I struggled with so many things mental health wise, but eating disorder was huge for me. I got super into restrictive eating. Mm. And I think something that, you know, a huge lesson it taught me was 
you know, I just became so externally motivated and the more weight that I lost, the more people would tell me, oh my gosh, you look amazing. You look so good. And that would just be fuel, 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 fuel. Mm -hmm. And so as an elite athlete, I like wasn't eating carbs. And so my body was literally just deteriorating and I ended up getting overtraining syndrome and my body just literally shut down. Um, And I had to take like almost a full week off to try and recover. And then I started working with a nutritionist to try and get back on track. And, and that was like a huge, again, moment for me of being like, okay, I, I need to reach out. I need to ask for help because I'm literally jeopardizing all of this, my dreams, my goals, like everything that I've worked for, because I love so much getting these comments from people about how good I look. And I think Mm -hmm. it's you know, hard for any female athlete, but especially when, you know, you're walking around in a swimsuit for most of your life. And so that's, and it's still, it's one of those things I feel like, you know, eating disorders are very similar to any kind of mental health disorder where it's Mm -hmm. like, it's not, you go through something and you kind of go through a healing process and you're feeling better. And then you never worry about it again. It's like healing just isn't linear, you know, like there's going to be times where it's going to come back and you're going to feel that. So you're just having to use the tools that you've created over the years. Cause that's a whole other thing postpartum. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, that that was something that really came back of, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, now feeling the pressures to everyone's telling you how beautiful you are when you're pregnant. And it was something, again, I was, you know, they'd be telling me, oh, you know, you don't even look pregnant or things like that. And it was just those little comments that even though they have such good intention and you know that they're just trying to give you a compliment, it's like, sometimes you don't know the thoughts that you're kind of fueling. Mm -hmm. And so it took a lot postpartum for me to just be like, you have got to listen to your body. You have got to just let it heal after this miraculous thing that you did. And in a way, like my, my baby girl really with breastfeeding, I feel like saved me because I knew that I had to keep my caloric intake up in order to keep my milk supply up. And I Mm -hmm. feel like if I didn't have that, I would have very easily slipped back into that kind of restricted eating pattern, but it was because of her. And I knew I like no questions asked. I have to put her first. I need to have a good milk supply. So I'm going to eat when I'm hungry. And (laughs) and so that has helped a ton of just really getting me in tune with intuitive eating and, and trying to listen to my body as best that I can. But yeah. I still, I mean, I still struggle with guilty thoughts. And if we go out and have a nice big cheat meal and I eat a whole dessert by myself, you know, it's like, when, it, when did that become a bad thing? Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Like, like, why do we have to split desserts? Like, why yeah. can't I have a whole dessert and right. not go talking about it after? So like, those are still yeah. the thoughts that I'm like catching, but now mm-hmm. I'm aware of them and I'm at a place where it's much easier for me to kind of recognize them, acknowledge them, and then sort of send them on their way without it habitually kind of affecting my day-to-day. If you are currently expecting or have a little one, you have to check out Love Every. They have a wide variety of products for babies and toddlers that have been developed by experts to help support your child's brain development at each important stage. My son, Rhett, has always loved all of the toys in their play kits, and what's great is that the toys in previous kits are still a hit, so it's not like he only uses them for a few months and then they don't get used anymore. There's a great amount of variety in the boxes. One of the coolest things about parenting, in my opinion, is seeing your baby learn new things, so I've loved watching him learn while playing with their toys because some of them really challenge him to think outside the box. One of the love every must-haves that I recommend for all new mamas is the play gym. This was by far one of our most used items when Rhett was a little guy, especially with the addition of the sensory strands. They make all kinds of fun sounds like crinkles and squeaks, and he loved to swing at them and make all kinds of noise. They even have some home items like quilts, crib sheets, and prints to hang in your nursery, and we love their block set and play tunnel as well. Honestly, we've never gotten anything from Love Every that we didn't love, so I highly recommend checking them out and all that they have to offer. I will leave my affiliate link in the show notes if you want to look into any other products. I hope your little one loves them just as much as Rhett does. Okay, let's get back to the show. For sure. And good for you for having that self-awareness and checking in and saying, okay, you know, and acknowledging those thoughts, I think is really important versus like trying to just push them away and pretend they're not happening. You know, that can sort of help you push through that discomfort and say, okay, I hear you voice and I see you, but I'm not going to give you that power. Right. You know, just kind of using those tools that you have created over the past several years through that 
and I love how you said recovery in any way is not linear. It's so true, especially, yeah, with mental health stuff, with with eating disorders, disordered eating, you know, it all is a lifelong journey <laughs> that continues to be, to take work and, you know, time. So good for you for working through that. But yeah, I, I would imagine that that would be really hard with all those pressures from, yeah. yeah, people watching you in a swimsuit all day, every day for years. Yeah, that's, that would be super tough for, <laughs> I think for every female. So good for you for kind of working through that. Um, and were you noticing too, that was your uh, performance really suffering during that time? Like, were you seeing your times go down or I guess totally. up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Up. Just practices in general. Like I was just so, so, so tired, like yeah. all the time. And it really did take sitting down with a nutritionist to be like, okay, here is what I'm doing every single day. And here's what I'm eating. And for her to be like, okay, well, we've got to make some changes here. Like, yeah. and I think for me, like that was just so helpful to really go to a professional and like, Mm -hmm. know that I was getting information that I felt like I could trust and rely on versus again, just trying to figure it out for myself. And it was the same thing with my mental health too. Mm -hmm. You know, like when I finally decided to go see a therapist and like actually like talk to someone that I know, like, again, I could trust and that had background to really help me go through this. And, and so it's, again, it's, it's something that is still like, I think about it, you know, it's something that I deal with every single day, but to a point where I've been through so much of it already and have those tools from those past experiences that some days are easier than others, but Mm -hmm. most days are easy, you know, like we're kind of at the point where I feel like I am managing it well. Mm -hmm. And then if I were to kind of regress or anything were to happen. Like I, I, again, I I've been there and I kind of know the people and the tools to sort of help me kind of find my way back from that again. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it takes a village, (laughs) you know, it's having, having those people in your corner and the right tools in your toolbox and all of those things together can definitely help so much. Yeah. So with your, you know, swimming career, I know you mentioned you retired pretty young due to an injury. So tell me about what that looked like. You know, was it during a a race or how did, how did that all happen? Yeah. So that was, and I think honestly, that's probably a little bit of the trauma that like gives me so much anxiety. You know, even we were talking about before we started recording about when I got sick and all Mm -hmm. my my breast milk, like my supply dropped so bad. Mm -hmm. And I was so worried that this journey that I was on was like abruptly going to end. And it's so funny as you say that I'm like, well, actually that's almost exactly what happened with my swimming careers. Like it kind of makes sense that that was something I was super anxious about because that's happened to me before. Um, but so it was during a warm up of a competition, it was at a grand prix, which is just kind of fancy way of saying meat. Um, I don't even think they call it that anymore. And it was in Arizona and I was doing a backstroke start and it was my left shoulder. And it just immediately, like I knew something had gone horribly wrong Mm. and I ended up, um, pulling myself from the meat, which I had never done before in the history of my career. And at this point we were four months out from Olympic trials for 2016. And you don't want to talk about this stuff, right? Because everyone is gearing up for the games. Like all your competitors are reading about what everyone else is doing. And so it was just something that I kind of had a battle with like silently as I went through all of this, which made it like even harder. And we also knew that there was just like, you know, it was like cutting yourself really deep, but being like, we don't have time for stitches, just put a bandaid on it, you know? Yeah. Cause there was nothing we could do. I mean, trials was in four months. Like I had to be the best I had ever been in four months. Like we didn't have time to, to do a surgery. We didn't have time to do PT. Like it was just like, you have got to just push through it. So I ended up getting bilateral shoulder surgery in 2017 after the games. Mm -hmm. Um, and unfortunately it really didn't help that much. It actually kind of exasperated the issue because it removed Mm -hmm. a lot of the scar tissue that was actually acting as a barrier. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to keep training, you know, like I so 
so desperately wanted that like storybook comeback, you know, yeah, like yeah. all the movies that you see of the athletes right. like get injured or they go through something really, you know, yeah. they struggle greatly and then they come back and prevail <laughs> and they win and everyone's so happy. And it was yeah. like, this is me, you know, like <laughs> I'm going to have these surgeries and I'm going to struggle and, you know, I'm, I'm going to come back stronger than ever. And, and it just didn't happen. And, you know, yeah. those stories don't get talked about. Right. right. And, and so that, that was really hard because there was still so much left that I wanted to do in the sport. And eventually I saw, you know, I saw so many surgeons over the years, but the final one that I saw agreed that I was going to need another bilateral shoulder surgery, mm-hmm. that it was going to be six months recovery. And at that point we were getting close to going into 2019. And so I knew the Tokyo Olympics, which would have been in 2020 mm-hmm. really weren't yeah. that far away. And so it was like, there's, I just knew in my heart that I didn't feel like I could go through those surgeries and come back and be where I needed to be in order to perform the way I wanted at those games. Yeah. And so that was for me, just that moment where I was like, I think, I think this is it. And I, I talked in depth to so many people in my life and my husband, who was my fiance at the time, you know, he looked at me and he said, what matters to me is that one day when we have a little boy or a little girl that you can throw them up in the air, that you can hold them, that you can carry them and not be in pain. Like, what are you going to be putting yourself through if you continue to push and push and push and push and push, you know, what is that going to make the rest of your life look like? And is that going to serve you? Yeah. Oh, that's tough. That's like, oh, dagger to the heart, you know, that's so hard. And obviously such a tough call when that's such a huge part of your identity for for your basically your entire life. I mean, my gosh, when you were 6 months old, you were sw- swimming. <laughs> you know, so that that was probably so hard and during that time is that kind of when you also had to go to therapy and kind of work through that identity shift and, you know, what what was I'm sure again, it was kind of a, like a grieving process, grieving the end of that journey that ended so abruptly that you weren't prepared for. Absolutely. So I think for me, it was actually interesting because so 2012 was such a successful Olympics for me. And then kind of, as we briefly talked about 2016 was like the complete opposite. Um, Mm -hmm. I still got a gold medal, but it was just like everything about that meet was so different and struggling with the eating disorder and my mental health and the injury was all stuff leading up to Rio and then performing so poorly and feeling like I had disappointed everyone in my life. It was after Rio where I felt like my identity had been completely lost Mm -hmm. because even though I wasn't done swimming, it had still felt like it had been ripped away from me. And so that was really when I kind of hit my low point. Um, and desperately, desperately needed help because I think when everything is going well, you know, like my whole life swimming had been going well for me, you know, like I worked really, really hard and it paid off. And it was kind of that equation that just made sense, right? Like I would work hard and I would sacrifice, but I would have fun and love it. And I would perform well and I'd reach my goals. And that was just kind of the journey that I had been on. And so when that's your experience, it's really easy to be like, oh yeah, my identity isn't wrapped up in my sport. Like there's no, like it's, and then it stops going that way. Yeah. And like, oh goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Wait a second. Exactly. And I really did. I I felt like my entire self-worth was wrapped up in, in what I could do in a swimming pool. And I had to take a ton of time and really figure out, you know, what else do I have to offer the world other than going a 204 and a 200 backstroke. And I was able to figure that out. And again, was so blessed to have the people in my life to kind of help show me the way and reassure me and, and knowing that it was my journey, you know, we're still there by my side to help me walk it, which I'm so grateful for, but it's amazing because it's very similar in that the same thing happened after becoming a mom, you know, we're all going to go through so many different major transitions in life, but I feel like becoming a parent is definitely one of them. So now it's funny kind of coming back to it and thinking, okay, now as the mom, 
how do I make sure I don't kind of repeat history and get my identity so wrapped up in being a mom that I kind of lose sight of other things so that maybe on the days where I feel like I'm a bad mom or I, I did so, you know, if I'm sick and my supplies down and I can't even provide for my daughter, like I'm not getting so down on myself because I feel like yeah. I'm feeling like the one thing that I identify myself the most with. Right. So now it's kind of just really interesting to see how I had to work through that one way and now how I'm having to work through it in a totally different way. Yeah, totally. It it all comes full circle. And yeah, we just, you know, we have lessons throughout our whole lives that do prepare us for our future journeys. And yeah, motherhood, like you said, is such a massive chapter of our lives. And such a huge shift in and I was just texting some of my girlfriends earlier today who are all fellow moms and all our babies are fairly close in age and we were just talking about you know how you're just your priorities shift so much when you become a mom and certain things that felt like they mattered before don't <laughs> don't matter anymore at all, at all. or don't <laughs> matter like quite as much you know everything just totally yeah. shifts and you know and there are certain things that before you're a mom you don't think that they're going to change and they do and it's just you know you come to terms with those changes over time and some things are hard to let go of and others are yeah. so easy and you know, it's just it's just such a, a beautiful journey and a hard journey, as you know. And that was what I was going to kind of transition into next anyway was motherhood. And, you know, so you're 10 months in and, you know, of course, throughout pregnancy, I mean, that's a whole journey in itself of your identity beginning to shift and, you know, your partnership with your husband already starting to kind of shift as well. So what has that looked like for you? And when, well, first of all, let's rewind a little bit. I want to, I want to talk about you and your husband. So when did you guys meet? Did you meet while you were in the Olympics and how did you guys come together? Cause I, yeah. I, I love your relationship. You share, you know, you guys on social media a lot and it just, you guys just look so, so cute. And I want to hear more about that. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I do. I'm, I'm a diehard romantic. So like from <laughs> the minute I was born, I fully believed in like soulmates and yeah. a fairy tale romance and all of that. Um, and I like, just, I found that and so much more. <laughs> so my husband and I met, I was actually, um, he's five and a half years older. So I was 15 and he was 20 and we met at, they have this event in swimming. Um, it's called the, it's so silly. It's called the golden goggles. So it's oh like, gosh. it's like the golden globes. Like it's very oh. similar in that <laughs> it's like, we go through the, whatever the biggest meet of the year was, we do all our awards around that. So, you know, the best female race, the best male race, the best relay, best coach, you know, like just kind of that sort of special evening for all of us to celebrate. And we get to get all dressed up and do a red carpet and just stuff as athletes that we often don't get yeah. to do. So it's really special. So we met there. And as I mentioned before, I love to dance. My husband loves to dance. <laughs> Perfect. And everyone that knew us separately knew that. And so I had um, so many different people come up to me and they're like, hey, you know, you see that guy that's Hayes Johnson and he's a really, really good dancer. Like you should go up and challenge him to a dance off. And so like 15 year old me just like waddles over to this oh like gorgeous 20 year old man. <laughs> I challenge you to dance off. And he's like, what are you? Like, <laughs> who is this girl? <laughs> exactly. So we became really good friends. Um, and then the last time we saw each other was trials in 2012 and just went on the path that we were meant to go on for, I think it was about five years and then, um, didn't talk at all. And then after Rio in the spring of 2017, he knew that I had been going through a really hard time. So he just reached out and was like, Hey, if you ever want to talk, you know, like I'm here. And, um, for those that don't know, my husband is strikingly handsome. <laughs> and so he sent that and I was like, um, yep, I want to talk. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> uh -huh, yeah. And we ended up FaceTiming for two and a half hours and then had flights booked to see each other two weeks later. Oh it was just that kind of really when you know, you know, moment and yeah. just, I mean, fell head over heels just instantly. So we'll be married oh. 
three years in September. Um, and it's just been, it's been a beautiful journey. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. That's so cute. So was he a fellow (laughs) Olympic swimmer as well? He was on the national team. So yeah. So he went to a couple national team meets and we were definitely kind of in those same circles for a while was at trials. Um, but when he didn't make the team in 2012, um, just retired from the sport and went on to professional career. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. Well, that's so cool. I yeah. love I love a good rekindling story. I know. So. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's so sweet. So, okay, so you've been married almost 3 years now. So, and now you're 10 months into parenthood together. So, yeah. walk us through what that has looked like as partners. You know, how has your relationship changed? Where have you guys struggled and where have you like excelled in, you know, being parents together? Totally. It's such a great question. So I feel like for us, even before we had Caitlin, like I think both of us really believe in the power and the importance of communication. And so I think going into parenthood to have a strong foundation of communication is like one of the most important things that you can have. And thankfully we had that, you know, we really understood that, listen, like we have got to talk to each other because at the end of the day, you can't read each other's minds. You Mm -hmm. don't always know. And even if for you, it's hard to express exactly how it is that you're feeling, just try, you know, like you're never going to know if you don't, if you don't try It's like taking the time to like intentionally sit down and be like, Hey, how are you doing? what can I be doing better? Am I, am I doing anything that, you know, is, is frustrating for you? Am I doing something that can be more helpful for you? And like actually asking those questions and giving, you know, genuine and honest answers, I think. And so when you become parents, like that is just so, 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 so important. And I think a big thing for us too, that we learned is that you just, you can't keep score and not in terms of like, winning or losing arguments, but even just in terms of like helpful activities or tasks, you know, it's like, and actually I think you, you posted something about this other day where (laughs) like you were making dinner for Ethan and Rhett and it was like, not because you felt like you had to, but because like, it was just something nice that you just felt like doing for them. And it was, I just resonated so much with that. Cause it's like, you know, if I put her to bed one night, the next night, I'm not going to be like, well, I put her to bed last night. So you need to put her to bed tonight. It's just, it's like, you just have to trust that the Mm -hmm. other one is going to show up when you need them to. So that when I'm really sick, I know that he's going to fully step in and do whatever is needed. And that doesn't mean that when I'm feeling better, I need to take over for the next five days. You know, it's just when, you know, we know when to step up and when the other one really needs help. And so I think that has been, that's been really powerful as well. And then I think it was just hard for us to find intentional time together the first six months. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how that is for everyone, but I really struggle with postpartum anxiety. And so Mm -hmm. even just leaving her, even with someone that I fully trust, is still scary for me. Mm -hmm. That makes it really hard to go out and go on dates and go see movies and do things and have someone else put her to bed because that's like my favorite time. And I get worried about how is she going to go down and is she Mm going to take her bottle? And, and so then I'm sitting there on our date and not only am I not being intentional, but like, I'm just, I'm not present. And so this whole time, you know, when I should be focusing on him and what we're talking about, I can't help but like wander back to, you know, is she okay? Is she? And so like, that's something that I personally have really had to work on. And something we just started is, you know, like I'll just book us reservations and if we can go, we go, but like, I'll just let them know we've got like a kind of bucket list of restaurants and I'll book us a reservation be like, okay, we're going here on this night and here on this night. And he'll just kind of mark it off, but it's just like making the plans. And then once we're there making them intentional, cause it's one yeah. thing to go out to dinner and to have a date. And it's another thing to go there and really try and be fully present with your partner. And yeah. I mean, we still talk about her the whole time. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, duh. Exactly. But like, it's, yeah. you know, it's just that still intention of like, just yeah. be there with him and, and trust that, you know, your daughter is going to be okay and that you have her in really safe and capable hands. And yeah. now what matters is, is you and him. Cause we really felt like, and we talked about this before having her and it's so funny how something's so straightforward 
can get so much harder than you thought it would be, but we're like, we really want to prioritize our marriage. Like that is the center of our family. And we really need to make sure that we are doing everything that we can to create a strong center and example and role model of what respectful love looks like. Mm -hmm. And then it's so funny, right? You have a baby and you, then you don't go on a date for six months and you're like, Oh my (laughs) gosh, wait, what, what just happened? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's so funny. But then I think just realizing that, which thankfully we did of like, okay, like we, we set this goal and six months, the priority absolutely has been her and that's fine. But how can we start to work our relationship and our marriage kind of back into this equation and give it kind of the love and nurturing that it deserves? Yeah. If you are looking for cute, affordable, and functional bags for all the things, you have to check out Vore. They have everything from duffel bags for travel, gym bags, backpacks, tote bags, accessories like crossbody bags, and more. They also have an active fanny pack that I actually use every day on my walks. It's the perfect size to fit your phone in so you don't have to carry it while you walk or bike or whatever activity you love to do. Their Alana duffel is my favorite as well. It has an exterior pocket that converts to a luggage sleeve, so it slides right over the handle of your rolling suitcase, making it perfect for airport travel. It also has a padded laptop sleeve inside, along with several other zipper pockets and compartments. They also have an Alana mini duffel that is smaller but equally functional and would make a great work bag for nurses, teachers, or mamas who need to pack their pump parts for work. They have tons of products to choose from, and all of them are so cute and, like I said, very affordable. Just head to their website at vore.com to check it all out and use my affiliate code Wellness for the Win to save. I'll leave my affiliate code and link for you in the show notes. Okay, back to the episode. And I think, I truly think almost every couple and mom especially can relate to that. You know, it is so hard. It is hard to prioritize your marriage and especially, yes, in those first, you know, three, six months, you know, however long it takes, it is tough leaving them in anyone else's hands and not worrying constantly and wanting a text update. You know, that's something that I was like, I was, I'm like, okay, I need a picture like every five minutes. I need a picture update, not just a text. Yeah. (laughs) I need to physically see that he is well. So I yeah, completely understand that. It is hard. So good for you, though, for like taking that initiative and making reservations. And admittedly, you know, that's something that we could work on, too. Still 17 months later, like it's hard, you know, it's just you life just gets busy. And then all of a sudden you're like, man, we haven't really gone on a date in a while without him. And yeah, it is. It is hard. So you're not alone in that. And I appreciate you sharing that and all of your transparency in, you know, your struggles with mental health postpartum. Mm -hmm. It is so common and so hard. And yeah, it's just a, a journey as as all things are <laughs> that yeah. we've talked about for sure. Yeah. Um, speaking of mental health, you know, that kind of brings me to I want you to share a little bit more about some of the organizations that you're involved in. You know, we kind of talked about some that you're helping with educating about making sure kiddos can swim and things like that. And so mm-hmm. would you tell us about some of the organizations that you're involved in now and kind of what those mean to you? Absolutely. I would love to. So it's so funny. Whenever people ask me what I do, I'm like, well, do you have 10 minutes? Like, I don't know, like there's no like easy way to like yeah. one word sum up what it is that I do. Um, so the there's several different organizations that I work with kind of on a full-time basis. So um, the first one is Laureus. And this foundation was started by Nelson Mandela. Um, and it's shocking to me that it's really it hasn't been very well known here in the States. It's really, really big across Europe. Um, but it is essentially all about using sport for good. So we fund projects all over the world that in their communities are fighting to bring an end to injustice, inequality, poverty, discrimination, all by using the power of sport. And so it's these amazing, amazing projects that will be surfing or football or soccer or whatever it is. And they really teach these kids about confidence and self-worth and, and what they're truly capable of doing. And so I am now the vice chair of the board for that organization. And it's just 
absolutely incredible. So I get to go and visit different project sites and see the work that they're doing. And um, being on the board has been an incredible learning experience for me in that regard. And through them, I met UWA, which is another organization and they're based out of India. And they are a project that use soccer to keep the young girls there out of childhood marriage. So they actually put them through a program where they can become coaches and earn money to stay in their education um, and pay for it themselves so that when their parents come to them and say, we no longer can afford to send you to school. So we're going to marry you off. They can say, well, I can, I can pay for it myself um, and continue to do that. And we even have some girls over here in the States going to college, which is just like mind blowing. So that's been really fun. The learn to swim is USA swimming foundation. So that's just, again, I I really want to give back to the sport that gave me so much. And so we, again, we just truly, truly believe that again, for us, equality is just so, so, so important. And that learning how to swim should be a right of every child, no matter what your economic status is. And so we really try to raise money um, and help parents find resources to get free or low cost swim lessons near them. So that again, everyone has that opportunity and just bringing again, awareness to that subject of, you know, it is so important to get your kid in the water and learning how to swim because this is something that they're going to be around for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we can get them, you know, learning, and there's no such thing as totally water safe, but as safe as they can be. It's just so, so, so important. So those are three of the big ones. And then a lot of public speaking that I do revolves around mental health, which I'm so thrilled because that seems to be a topic that a lot of people want to talk about these days. So like that just (laughs) makes me so happy. And, And so I talk a lot about my journey in that regard, but it's for me again, about just being vulnerable and sharing our stories and what we have learned. And I think there's so, so, so much strength in showing that vulnerability and, and just being open. Cause a lot of times everything just feels so much harder when you feel like you're the only one that feels that way. When the truth is you are far from the only one that feels that way. And just feeling that bit of compassion and community when you know that you're not going through something alone, that there are other people out there. There are other women, there are other men. There's like that genuinely know what it is that you're going through and can relate, even if it's a different situation and kind of just sympathize. So I love, love, love talking about all that stuff too. And then I still do a bunch of events for the United States Olympic and Paralympic committee, which are really, really fun. So again, I'm just like literally all over the place. My trips are always really fast, which is really, which again, which is really fun because, you know, normally I'll fly in and talk that night and fly home the next morning or, but they're normally like 24 to 36 hours. So I, again, just feel really fortunate because that it does make me like a, you know, 99% time stay at home mom, Um, (laughs) but it is fun to kind of get out and and still do those things that I feel passionate about when I have the opportunity to. Yeah, that's awesome. And you're setting a great example for her to look up to you over the years and, you know, see all the incredible things that you're doing. Like those are some, those are like life-changing organizations that you're in, you know, they're important stuff and, you know, you're changing lives and that's incredible that you can be a part of that. And I admire you so much for continuing to do that work because, you know, someone has to, and you know, it's, it's just so important. I I appreciate you using your platform and your voice for good, and you're definitely making an incredible impact. So that is so awesome. And I, I loved hearing more about those organizations because I didn't know all the details. So that's really, really cool. And I'll, I'll definitely link all the information in the show notes as well so people can kind of look into those. And is there any way that we can help support any of the things that you're involved in or what would that kind of look like on our end? You're so sweet for asking. You know, I honestly, I, I don't think there's much, I mean, we don't do, you know, a lot of the fundraising that we do is kind of through big events throughout the year. Um, you know, I think UWA is probably one of those organizations we were hit really hard by COVID. Mm-hmm. And so they're still trying to get back on their feet down there and getting the school up and running again. But there's, you know, occasionally we're all post about, you know, fundraising for, for either for them, if they're trying to raise money for the school or for the girls. But honestly, I don't think there's anything, if anything ever resonates with you and you feel 
feel like you want to share that, then of course I'd always ask people, you know, if I post something about drowning rates or the importance of learning how to swim, but it's all about, you know, finding the things that resonate with you and that have made a difference in your life and continuing to pass that on. And if that's things that resonate with me, great. And if it's great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And even just raising awareness about those things, you know, even just having this conversation, I mean, we're kind of in that space now where with it being summertime and having a toddler and going to the pool several times already in the past month, you know, getting him familiar, you know, I'm, I'm very aware at this moment of how important that really is, you know, getting him comfortable, not only comfortable, but also like hopefully enjoying it, (laughs) you know, at some point, you know, he, it's funny, we went on vacation a week, like a week or two ago, and the first day he hated the pool. And this wasn't his first exposure, but it was the first time in quite a while, maybe since yeah. last summer. The first day he hated it. Second day, he loved it. So, and then like a week later, like just the other day, we were at Ethan's parents' house and they have a pool and he was back to hating it. <laughs> so it's like, okay, we need, we need more consistency and structure or something, but we definitely need to do like a mommy and me class or something. And I think that That's would, so fun that for would help. Both, 100%. Yeah. And we're like, again, we're never, ever coming from a place of, of judgment whatsoever, right. but it's like, that's so often the case, right? We're like you, of course, around the summertime, like you're around water and then the pool yeah. and then fall hits. And all of a sudden, next thing, you know, it's summer again, and your kid hasn't been near a pool in right. almost a year. Yeah. And so that's a lot of like, why we're like trying to get as many resources as we can to people to like, here are all the places near you. So that even if you're going once a month throughout the year, like at least they're getting like a yeah. little bit of exposure. Cause it is totally a different scary environment if you're not used to it right yeah, yeah. so like, it's it's like what is this massive bathtub <laughs> exactly but like yeah. you know also if you have five kids you know like right. there's you know like there's just only so much that you can do so again yeah. we're just coming from a place of like if you can do it great like we would yeah. love it but like just do your best you know right for sure <laughs> absolutely that's again parenthood we're all just doing exactly. our freaking best, do your best. Do your best. <laughs> that is for sure okay i'm going to ask you a couple of like rapid fire ish questions. I feel like they're too deep to be like totally rapid fire, but (laughs) (laughs) here we go. So first of all, is there anything about you that people might not know or would be surprised by? Oh goodness. Um, (laughs) I am a dual citizen with Canada. Okay. I read that because I did some research <laughs> leading okay, up to this. So you didn't know it. I felt. <laughs> I did not were, understand the assignment. <laughs> but you were born – well, I cheated. So <laughs> most people probably don't know that. But you were born here and your parents are Canadian. Is that yeah, right? both my parents are Canadian. They lived there for almost half their lives. Um, so I have dual citizenship and we're hoping to get Caitlin dual citizenship as well. Nice. Um, Hayes would have to go through like the full citizenship process because okay. you don't get it through marriage. Gotcha. Um, but I think he wants to, um, we absolutely love it up there. We still have some family in Toronto and it's, it's amazing. We've got, my aunt still has a place in Nova Scotia as well, which is like one of my absolute favorite places in the world. But yeah. I would, I would say I'm a very proud dual citizen. That's awesome. I've heard it's beautiful. Ethan has been there before and loved it. And I would love to go. So where would you recommend going if we were like, went on vacation? Oh my gosh. Anywhere is amazing. Um, Vancouver, BC is just stunning. Um, okay, yeah, that's so what I've heard gorgeous. most. Yes, okay. I think that would be really fun. Toronto's great. People don't realize Toronto is the fourth biggest city in North America. Like it's oh, wow. It's a city. I mean, it's, it's huge. <laughs> yes, there's tons of stuff to do. And then, but then, like I said, Nova Scotia is it's one of those much smaller quaint kind Mm -hmm. of just really peaceful. It's a little bit harder to get to, but it's, it's just so quintessential. Like we get our lobster off of the boats that bring it in every morning. We go out and we dig our own clams for clam chowder, like right (laughs) off the beach. Like it's just so it's amazing. But I would say, yeah, Vancouver, BC would just like that. It's incredible. Okay. Perfect. Well, we'll add it to our bucket list of a, probably a kid-free vacation <laughs> someday if that ever happens. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Okay. What is bringing you the most joy right now? Oh my gosh. Uh, we just taught Caitlin how to do kisses. 
And so so whenever we ask, not whenever we ask when she's feeling like it, (laughs) yeah, um, we just get these like massive open mouth slobbery (laughs) kisses and they are just the best things. But my favorite is when she gives you one without asking her for one and she'll just like stop and look at you and just lean in and just give you the biggest (laughs) She's just feeling the moment. And you just want to die. Like you literally just want to (laughs) die. So freaking sweet. She's so cute, by the way. So oh my gosh, you're one to talk, right? It's like the <laughs> most precious thing. Thank you. He he's in full blown toddler mode. So yeah, that. 17 months is a special time. I I <laughs> but like, it's I so fun. I feel like it was yesterday that you were doing all your middle of the night like stories and updates. I like I just I can't believe that he's 17 months. I know. It's insane. Oh it it truly flies by. And I'm like, I feel I mean, like that means two years is like around the corner. So I can't handle that. (laughs) Um, Okay. So what is something that you're looking forward to? Oh my goodness. Um, I would say two, two things. One, just continuing to watch her grow into her own person, like Mm -hmm. already seeing that at 10 months has just been so rewarding. And I think that was one of the things I wasn't necessarily expecting as a parent was like, for her to literally come out of the womb, her own person. Like, yeah. obviously I think we have important influence as parents, Yeah, but I'm also realizing like she is already fully her own human being. And like, mm-hmm. yes, my job is to, to guide her and to be there for her, but it's also just to like foster who she already is, yeah. you know? And so yeah. like, I'm so excited to just continue to like get to know my daughter. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also excited to continue getting to know myself. I think it's really important as we talked about before that on this journey, you know, I, as important as being a mother is to me and being a mom and being a wife is my top priority that I'm still making space for who I am away from both of those things. And I think that's a really hard thing for me to do. Mm -hmm. And so just excited for the journey that will be slow, I'm sure, but (laughs) of of taking the time to kind of do that and make sure that I'm still kind of learning and growing as my own person as well. Yeah. I love that so much. I could not agree more with all of that. And again, it is something I think especially early in motherhood, it's very easy to lose yourself in it and totally forget about your, yourself as like an individual human. But it is so key. You know, we have to like fill our own cup and remember who we were before all of these things, you know, before all of these other people came totally. into the picture, um, yeah. you know, and continue to, to care for ourselves. And, you know, our relationship with ourselves is the most important one because then we can love other people well, too. Exactly. So I love that. And lastly, what are you most proud of? Oh my goodness. Um, I would say that I am most proud of the love that I'm able to give to the people that love me and that I love. I am, you know, when I love, I love hard, like with (laughs) everything that I am. And that is something that I'm really proud of is that I believe that I'm a really good mom. And I believe that I'm a really good wife. And I believe that I'm a really good daughter. And those three things for me are like, I'm, I'm most proud of that because the love that I get from all of those people in return is just like more than I can even begin to describe. So for me to feel like I do everything I can every day to give it right back, that is so important to me. And I feel like I, I do my best at that every day. Yeah. And even as an outsider, you know, looking in, I can absolutely tell that, you know, and even from this conversation, I can tell you love hard, you love your people so well. And, and it's funny, like for people listening, you know, think about, okay, this girl has five gold medals, people, you know, she is most proud of how she loves her people. And I think that just goes to show, you know, who you are as a human being that, you know, at the end of the day, 
the people in our lives are what matter. You know, it's like we could have all the money, all the, you know, material things or accolades and awards and all those things, you know, but truly none of those matter compared to our people, right? And, um, you know, of course those things are incredible. And so, you know, <laughs> I don't want to downplay the incredibleness of your gold medals, my gosh, but but I just love, I love that you're so down to earth. And so, you know, you have such good perspective on life and especially, I mean, because, you know, we're still pretty young people, right? And yeah. we have so much life left to live. And so the fact that you have that outlook now is just incredible. So I, I admire you so much. And this has been a beautiful conversation and I'm excited for people to hear it. And I think you just have so much good amazing value to provide. And again, you know, just connecting with you virtually on social media, I could just tell you're such a, a light in this world and, you know, you're, you're already doing big things and you're going to continue to do big things and bless people. So I appreciate all that you do. Gosh, you're going to make me cry <laughs> so much. Truly, truly. Yeah. Well, I couldn't feel more the same about you and it's because of role models like you and just incredible women and people that I've had in my life that, I've looked up to and been able to learn from, and I'm so grateful. You've been such an incredible role model and example for me on this journey of, of motherhood and, and just of, of everything. So I'm so grateful to have met you through social Aww. and to call you a friend and to have <laughs> had this conversation and to, yeah. to anyone that's listening for them, taking the time to listen as well. I just feel very grateful and, and honored for the opportunity. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I'm so grateful we connected too. And that made me actually wonder, I was going to ask, how did you initially find me? Cause I know one tag, one time you tagged me and I was like, Whoa, this girl is like amazing. And <laughs> And then you recently tagged me in something and someone was like, you should have her on the podcast. And I was like, I absolutely should. So that's why we're here today. (laughs) Yeah. I think it had to have been a recipe. Okay. I think that's initially, and then fell in love with you for like the intuitive eating and like just everything that you stand for. Like, I think I found a recipe that I loved and made it and then tagged you, but then like actually started following you and like just got so engaged with your content. And that was, again, like we talked about something that I needed so much was just an amazing example of someone who was vocalizing the importance of intuitive eating and listening to your body and not giving those thoughts power. And that was, I think something that, you know, it's so nice to go on social and to have that kind of positive reinforcement in Mm -hmm. your feed, you know? And so came, I think I, came for a recipe and stayed for <laughs> everything else. Oh, well, you're so sweet. I, I'm so glad you stumbled upon one of my recipes and that we're, we're here today. So cool. Which I just, are also I love- fabulous. Again, not to discredit the recipes because they're delicious. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes. I love how it all, you know, just ties together and social media is, I always say it, but it is such a blessing and a curse, but mostly a blessing. I think there's so much beauty in the connections. And, you know, I just can't even wrap my mind around some of the incredible connections I've made because of freaking Instagram, you know, with like this app, you know, it's, it is wild, but amazing. So I'm, I'm grateful for you in this conversation and truly Ethan and I have Nashville on our list to go to. So if we go, I'm calling you up. (laughs) You literally have a place to stay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That even makes it even a bigger selling point. Love to have you guys. (laughs) That would be so much fun. Okay. We're, we're, we're going to chat after this and get it on the books. <laughs> I even, I, I literally already have a secondary pack in place set up. So even if Rhett wants to come, he's more than welcome. <laughs> okay. Maybe he'd find a little girlfriend in Caitlin. I mean, <laughs> we could be matchmakers. I would be so excited. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you again so much. This was so fun. And seriously, we need to like swap numbers because I feel like you're just. I want to be friends with you in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Done. Yeah. Done and done. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode and took away some tips or wisdom that you can apply to boost your health and happiness starting today. If you did, I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review to help other women like you find my show and get inspired to start living a life they love. Also, take a quick screenshot and share it to your Instagram stories. Be sure to tag me at wellness for the win so I can see why you love today's show. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.